Greetings, fierce listeners. Ryan here. Hey, we have a special episode for you this week. It's actually a recording of a live online event we did in partnership with our friends over at Impactus Ministries, which actually used to be Promise Keepers Canada. They were gracious enough to invite us to speak specifically on the topic of transparency during a lockdown. Now, if you're familiar with the Promise Keepers ministry, you'll know that it's primarily a ministry geared toward men. But Selena was there with me on the talk, and we were able to, I think, examine these issues from both our perspectives. So, namely, we talked about the five biggest obstacles to being truly known by our wives or by our spouses uh, during lockdown. You see, what we're finding is that while couples are spending more time than ever together during lockdown and during isolation, things like that, they're actually uh, drifting apart emotionally and even spiritually and even physically in terms of their intimacy. So while we talk through each one of these five common obstacles, we also talked through a truth to kind of dispel the lie that is behind the obstacle, and we offered a step out into the light. So it was a great conversation. I feel like uh, we covered some new ground. I was also really encouraged by the question and answer time that we had toward the end. Paul, the facilitator, asked us some really elucidating questions, and uh, we had a great time answering those. So thank you for joining us. We hope this special episode blesses you, and we will see you, as usual, on the other side. Welcome to the Fierce Marriage Podcast, where we believe that marriage takes a fierce tenacity that never gives up and refuses to give in. Here we'll share openly and honestly about all things marriage, sex, communication, finances, priorities, purpose, and everything in between. Laugh, ponder, and join in on candid, gospel-centered conversations. This is Fierce Marriage. I would now like to introduce to you Ryan and Selena Frederick. Good evening. Hey, Paul. Thanks for having us. Yes. How you doing? Oh, we're doing awesome. It's still early in the evening for us, so we are, (laughs) we're ready to go here. That's great. So great. Uh, So glad that you could join us tonight. Uh, You know, you mentioned off the top that, uh, you know, this, your ministry started back in 2013 and and it it, it was, was, uh, the catalyst was God working through your marriage. Tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, so we got married pretty young. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were in our twenty. I was twenty. We were both twenty twenty one, and uh, and so we we dated for four years prior to that, and then uh, we had been married and didn't have kids for the first ten years of our marriage. And it was around year eight when we were in our late twenties, and we were think and we had a lot of friends that were being they're going through divorce. They're going through really hard stuff, and we had seen some friends even get married and divorced two times, and we just kind of looked at each other and said, "What?" Like, what is different? Why, why are we still together? Why do we still enjoy each other? What is the difference? And how can we somehow help our friends and people like them? And we realized that unequivocally, the difference is Christ. And so we just decided to uh, start a blog. Uh, initially, it was just my mom was our was our, was our reader. And uh, thankfully, my mom still read, but other people started reading. And, uh, and it just kind of took off. And so we now have a podcast. We've written seven books, uh, oh, devotionals and books. And uh, we're just really enjoying, uh, I think, God's the fruitfulness that comes from just honestly just sharing the gospel. We see marriage as an excuse to talk about the gospel. And so we just keep doing that day in and day out. That's why we get up in the morning. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's amazing. And thank you again for joining us tonight. I mean, it's a it's a big issue for a lot of couples, no question. And especially guys, when you're talking about transparency and, uh, and intimacy yeah. in your marriage, it's not an easy thing to deal with. Mm-hmm. No, no, it's it's. It's scary. Yeah, it's a beast. Yeah, no, it's a big topic, that's for sure. Uh, so tell us about your latest book. Yeah, so um, do you want to talk about it? 
already talked. So it's called see-through marriage. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you can see that. There it is. See-through yeah. marriage. Uh, we were actually released earlier last year, mm-hmm. but it's um, it's all about uh, experiencing freedom and joy uh, and being fully known and fully loved, which is what we're going to talk about tonight is what that exactly looks like and what wh- what is the firm ground mm-hmm. that we can stand on when transparency seems super hard, when it seems impossible, when it seems like we're just going to be transparent to our own doom. Right. What is the firm ground that we can talk that we can stand on? Uh, and then what is the joy that's to be had on the other side of that risk? Uh, it's a promise. It's a, it's a path of the promise as we say. And so, yeah, we're here to talk about that tonight, but that's the entirety of the book. We get into uh, what it means to be uh, kind of see through to yourself uh, and not in like a self-realization, self-actualization sort of way, but really seeing uh, God as, or seeing yourself as God sees you is the first step really in this journey and then being transparent uh, mm-hmm. to one another and then being transparent within Christian community uh, and what that looks like uh, as a couple. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was, it was honestly, it was the hardest book out of the seven <laughs> that we've written so far, uh, but we're really, we're enjoying, we're, we're happy to hear that people yes. are, are growing from reading mm-hmm. it. So, yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, we're really excited to hear what you have to say to us. So I'm going to throw it over to you now and, and take it away. Okay. Well, thanks, Paul. Really yeah. appreciate it. And thank you all for tuning in uh, to to hear to hear from us. Yeah, uh, we're super grateful to be here. And it's a very unique privilege, I think, an opportunity yes. um, to be talking about transparency. Yes. Uh, because you, I, I don't know if you're like us, but a lot of couples are now finding themselves at home, working together, uh, together literally 24-7. And so it's kind of like, how right how are we not being transparent <laughs> i guess would be the real question right yeah we're together all the time but does that necessarily mean that we are sharing and yeah. being fully known in those moments yeah the, this pandemic is uh, has created this unique challenges we all know we all mm-hmm. are very familiar with that but it's also created unique opportunities to connect and if we're not careful our physical closeness mm-hmm. i mean our proximity and that we're in the same like we, I, I, this, you're looking at our office. This is where I work all day. The girls will come up. We have three daughters. They'll come up and interrupt me. And then I'll go down. And, and so I'm, we're together all the time, mm-hmm. but in our physical proximity, and maybe you're in the same boat, the, the proximity can actually lead to emotional distance mm-hmm. and relational distance. And so here uh, we're wanting to talk through really those, what are, what are some of the lies of obscurity that we tend to kind of gravitate toward as married people yeah. it's well and even defining transparency and what yes. that looks like i think in marriage because i think we all have different ideas of why well, do i share everything and from before right. or whatever and so kind of um drawing some boundary lines around that and and for the health yeah. and sake of our marriage yeah but that routine and yes. that kind of familiarity can if we're not careful it can almost lead to more obscurity mm-hmm. uh, toward one another, even though we're spending more time than ever. And so we'll talk through those lies of obscurity. We also hope to introduce uh, five big obstacles that are really common for couples right now. And hopefully at least one of these obstacles will speak to you directly. And then out of each obstacle, we're, um, we're going to give you at least a step, one mm-hmm. step on the path of transparency. Uh, so it'll be a good talk. Uh, it, as always, it will challenge you. It always challenges us when we talk <laughs> about this topic because... I think we're at home kind of being uh, holding our car, playing our cards close to our chest. But here, that's that's that's, that's not the gospel, right? right. So I want to start with this quote, actually. This is by a guy um, named Richard Needham. Um, he said this, and I think it's so apt for this moment. It says, you don't marry one person, you marry three. The person you think they are, the person they actually are, mm-hmm. and the person they're going to become as a result of being married to you. <laughs> uh, and I found that especially convicting and elucidating at the same time because as a husband, I know there's primarily men here, mm. 
the, the woman that my wife becomes is the result of the husband that I am in a lot of ways. God is gracious. He uses even my sin and my brokenness to somehow glorify himself in, in, the, in the life of our wives. Mm-hmm. But I think that's a sobering reminder that a lot of the, the, who the person my wife becomes is a result of the type of man that I am mm-hmm. in both the way that I'm loving her, both that I'm leading her. And in this conversation, the way that I'm uh, being known by her. Mm-hmm. In brand new ways. So, so yeah, it should be a good, 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 a good conversation. So <laughs> the main point for today, just to kind of stick our, our stake in the ground is we're here to give you some tangible ideas and tools for growing closer in your marriage in the middle of the nationwide lockdown, right? That's I, worldwide I know, kind of nationwide, now. worldwide, <laughs> really, especially when there's nothing else you can do, Yeah. but just be together. And namely we're going to do that through looking through obviously transparency. So let's, let's define transparency. I think that's the, the first Yes. So as you mentioned, it can be very nebulous and sort of hard to nail down. But for our talk here, discussing transparency in marriage, it's being known, uh, fully known with one another without hiding uh, or any obstruction. Mm. So um, Mm. like I said, I kind of mentioned, we get a lot of questions of, you know, should I, should we talk about things from the past before, like past relationships and where, you know, all the sins of the past and all of that. And uh, the answer to that really is just you need to listen to the Holy Spirit on that. And you need to pray about yeah. that because there are some things which we're, we'll share one of our stories that, you know, the Lord brought to Ryan that he needed to share from the past. And it wasn't yeah. it's not airing out your dirty laundry just to do that. Right. It's it's there's a purpose. Remember, this is a path with a purpose and a promise. And so yeah. um, why don't you share about our story about. I love yeah. that. So and that's what we have to remember is that as you're standing at this trailhead, mm-hmm. um it, you're not just doing it for its own sake. There is an end in mind, and that and a joyful, a joyful, an good, good end, end, and yes. that is closeness, and that is sanctification, and and unity, and, unity, yeah. and that's a deeper understanding of God's love. Mm. And sometimes that's that's hard to see. And I'll just share a story from our near past. I mean, our recent past. Mm. So we had been uh, we going to church, kind of going about our business. I can't remember what it was. Pre-pandemic. Pre-pandemic. Yeah. Pre-pandemic. So this was probably two life. years ago. <laughs> and I had been watching. Um, I can't remember who, I think it was Matt Chandler. I was watching him online, mm. some sermons kind of throughout the week. And one of the things he said, um, and it was actually coincidentally while we were writing See Through Marriage, <laughs> so I'm already kind of tuned into this stuff. And uh, he said, someone who's only 99% known mm. will never feel 100% loved. He says, as long as you're holding back that 1%, you're always going to be saying in the back of your mind, when you hear your wife or your husband say to you, I love you, I care for you, you're always going to be doubting that because you're always thinking, if you just knew this last bit, then mm. you wouldn't love me. Mm. And that hit me like a ton of bricks because I was thinking, we've we've lived transparently, but there was something that in my past, I won't get into the details, but it was, uh, I wasn't proud of it. And I was Probably ashamed shame, of it. Yeah. I was very ashamed of it. And it was when, from when I was probably like, uh, not, not even, I was probably 10, like really young. You could even say like before the age of accountability, mm-hmm. I don't think, I think I knew I was a sinning person in that, in that moment. And so I just felt ashamed. Anyway, I was like, I felt that kind of come up in my in my guts, and I thought, ah, that's ridiculous. I don't need to share. That's that's too far. And this is why Selena was saying you got to kind of listen to the Holy Spirit, right? You can't just chronologue your whole life. You really have to be sensitive to what God is leading you to do. And so I just kind of pushed it down, uh, kept going about my week in my prayer time. I'd keep having this kind of recurring kind of conviction, and prompting, <laughs> yeah, and prompting until one Sunday morning. 
I remember so distinctly, we were at, we had gone to church. We got the kids there. It was chaos. <laughs> we got there. We went through the service and our church does communion every week. And so we were in the back of the church kind of doing communion. And the way we do it is we were, we were standing there praying together as, as we were um, kind of partaking. And I just felt the Holy Spirit, just this one, like really heavy time saying like, you have to do this. If you don't, you're disobeying. And I kind of had this sweet sense of resignation, like, well, I guess here we go. Like, I'm taking a step off this cliff. I'm going to talk to Selena about this thing that I've just tried to basically suppress for the last two weeks. <laughs> and so, of course, during communion, I just looked over and said to you, I said, hey, there's, there's something I need to talk to you about. It's really serious. Not right now, but I just today we need to talk. Yeah. And, and you were like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> Heart kind of drops down here. Yeah. And we're like, eh? <laughs> yeah, nervous laughter over yeah. here, by the way. And so, and you're like, okay, well, uh, by the way, that's always a really good tactic. If you have something to talk about, just mention that you want to talk about something, give it some space, set aside the time. And so we did that. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had gone, we, we had packed up, left church. We went to- A miraculous thing happened. All three <laughs> kids fell asleep in the car at the same time. Never uh. happens. It never happens. It happened this time. <laughs> and so we're literally pulling into our street to go to, our, to, to get home. And we just kind of kept driving or we slowed down. <laughs> and I just said, here's the thing. I laid it all out. And, uh, and I just remember so clearly, I'd never felt so exposed, so vulnerable. Uh, we're going to talk about some of these lies of obscurity. I, every single one of these lies of obscurity were at play in that moment. And I just remember so clearly the three things that Selena, her, the three ways she responded to me. And I'll, do you remember those three ways that? Yeah, um, I think it was thank you for sharing with me because I think that's it's always hard to share something shameful or that you're afraid is just going to break trust. Mm -hmm. um, I still love you because I did and I do and I always will. I made that covenant. Um, and then it's funny you share something like that because I've been feeling the prompting as well to kind of be transparent about some things that happened in my past. And I want to hmm. bring some reconciliation to this. So uh, I just can't express how uh, intensely and, and differently I felt the love of Christ in that moment more than any other time previous in our marriage. I'm not trying to be hyperbolic in that. That was, that's true. I just, I felt like it was all out there. It well, was like, I was just hanging out there and yeah. you, you could have done what, whatever. Well, and as a wife, I mean, it's so easy to, the Holy Spirit was able to, <laughs> I was able to take the right step there because many times I've, I've not, I've been, what, why haven't you shared this or how dare you? Or, you know, you, that just that kind of righteous sort of feelings of anger want to creep in. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was just like, have grace, have grace, like slow down, let the emotions just sit inside of you. Do not respond, like respond in grace, respond in love. And truly, like he said, I mean, the Holy Spirit's prompting him to share this and then me to respond in grace and not pour on more shame uh, and weightiness, right. In, in, in the sin or whatever he was dealing with. And so yeah. um, in that moment, we both experienced what it means to give grace, to receive grace, to love each other uh, truly, and to be fully known and transparent mm. in those moments that the Lord is leading us where yeah. he's leading us to do this. So really our heart here is to encourage you to, listen to those promptings from the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. to, to identify those, those dark hidden places yeah. and then step forward confidently, right? Everybody wants so badly to be fully known and fully loved. Our greatest fear as humans is to be fully exposed and fully, fully known and then rejected in mm -hmm. that. 
And I think that fear, that, that fear of being exposed and rejected is really, it's, it's not invalid. It's, it's, it's a legitimate fear. Mm -hmm. The different, the problem is, is it's not rooted in the gospel. It's rooted in something other than scripture. Right. Uh, it's rooted in something in something other than God's truths about mm -hmm. marriage, about the nature of love. And we're here to remind you of those, of those truths. And really coincidentally, there's three big truths mm -hmm. that, that are tip there. They, they tend to be, uh, kind of at victim Overlooked. to these lies of obs yeah. obscurity. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. And I think you should, can you define obscurity? What you mean by that? Three lies well, of obscurity. Sorry. Yeah. Obscurity is the opposite of transparency, right? Okay. So you, transparent things you can see through. So obscure things you can't see through. That you can't... Yeah, things that what ways that will hide, okay. right? And so a lot of times you have this this prompting, this thing that you need to share, whether it's a current sin or mm. it's something that you're you're past, you're shameful of, or just right. a fear or a hurt. Uh, the fear is, and here's the first lie of obscurity: is that I'm not loved. In other right. words, my spouse won't love me if they know this. Right. And that's a lie because we forget, and this is such a beautiful truth. But we have to, we can't just gloss over this. Biblical love isn't contingent on behavior or feelings. Right, right. So we, when we say my spouse won't love me, we're using the definition application of love probably from a cultural standpoint or some emotional, um, they won't love me. So they aren't going to have those feelings of love towards me. Well, if we're subscribing to the truth, with mm. the, which is the biblical truth of love, that love is patient, it's kind, it's long-suffering, mm. right? It's, it's there. And God is love. This is, this is the love that we're applying, that even when the feelings and emotions may not be there, I can still show love. I can still be mm. loving towards my spouse, despite the feelings and emotions. There are feelings I think mm. that result out of these acts of love, uh, but yeah. it, it is something we we choose. It's not something that just sort of happens to us, right? It's it's yeah. something that we can be active in. Now, of course, you have, if you if you haven't felt love in a long time in your marriage, you feel then it can feel more fragile. Mm. And I think there's some groundwork to be laid there around actually creating that culture of biblical love in your relationship that isn't based on feelings. And so that that's a little caveat there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but at, at the very root of it, the lie says that love mm. isn't what the Bible says it says it mm. is. It says love is something cultural, something. Right. And and first John 419 also says that we are only able to love because he first loved us. Yeah. So we knowing and understanding what love is cannot be. Mm anything outside of God and the gospel. Amen. Yeah. It's good. The second lie of obscurity. So we, we talked about love. Uh, the is really fast, I feel like, but that's fine. I, yeah. we talk about love and covenant in um, another book that we wrote, Fierce Marriage, the one kind of before this one. But uh, if you want to know more, or you're like, how do we define love more? That um, It's in those books. Yeah. And I, they're really, um, yeah, I just want to throw that out there because yeah. I feel like we're glossing over it. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Well, even so in, we, we have a new about. course out, Gospel Center Marriage. We talk about that yes. at the very yes. beginning. Okay. Um, uh, the second one is covenant. So co covenant is another one of these foundational. Uh, it's it's a pillar of Christian marriage. And the lie is that our covenant is conditional. Again, we have uh, the first lie is that love is conditional. Right. Now, the second lie is that our covenant is conditional or our marriage, this thing that we're in, can't handle this. If I put the weight of this, this shame or the sin or this yeah. confession on our marriage, it will break it mm -hmm. uh, and we'll fail to see. The lie leads us to fail to see that our marriage covenant is actually, now if we look again, calibrating ourselves mm -hmm. by biblical definitions here, mm -hmm. the marriage covenant is a profound, profound reflection of God's right. covenantal promises to his people. Right. Uh, the promise is based not on their uh, merit, but based on his character, on his his ability to fulfill it. Right. And in the same way, that's what, that's what 
I mean, God, agape love is. It's not based on uh, it's affection. It's 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 that same covenantal foundation, right? right? And to some truth, I mean, if 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 our covenant is not rooted in the gospel and our marriage is not centered around the gospel, then our marriage covenant might be really fragile. It might not be able to handle. We might not do really. We might not do a great job of being transparent with each other if Christ is not at the center. Uh, mm. So I think that working towards not working I, that's a bad word i think but um knowing what it means to have christ at the center and living in a way that reflects that is so pivotal for us because then mm-hmm. that leads us into understanding love right and the biblical what that means the yeah. biblical definition but also covenant and seeing that it is a reflection of god's nature but it is also this safe sort of area that god's allowed us to come into with each other to say, Hey, I'm dealing with some shame. I'm dealing with some fear, or I just feel like we haven't been connecting. And I don't know if there's past sins that we need to deal with, you know? Hmm. So, um, I think I just wanted to highlight that a little bit. Well, it's beautiful. It's actually a perfect segue into the third lie of obscurity, which is basic. It's just basically the gospel is not enough that right. we can believe this lie that the gospel can't reach. It can reach, it can reach me kind of in general, but it can't reach into there. Right. How does it go? How does it deal? How do we deal with the right. gospel and the right. struggle, right? Yeah. What's the line there? Yeah. Well, we can feel like uh, as our marriage is dying, it, it the, it's dying slowly rather than thriving. <laughs> right. And uh, <laughs> that can lead us to a place of despair. Yeah. And the gospel it diffuses that because it starts with this truth that we are uh, made in God's image, mm-hmm. that we are sinners. Yes. But, but there we, we, we are saved by grace, mm-hmm. by the love, because of the covenantal love of God, mm-hmm. right? And so the, we, we always talk about gospel-centeredness and what it means to be gospel-centered. Well, really, at the core of gospel-centeredness is staking our entire life, our entire identity, our, our entire eternity on this truth that I am made by God. I'm imperfect, deserving of his wrath, but I don't have to have it because Jesus has paid the price and been resurrected and he's resurrected me. Mm-hmm. I, I was once dead. Now I am alive. Mm-hmm. Right. This is just classic. That's, I mean, not seeing that or not believing that fully is kind of classic garden deception. Right. Mm-hmm. We see that in the garden when, when the devil, when the enemy, right. Mm-hmm. The, the serpent says, Oh, did God really say that? Come on. You can just eat of the fruit of this tree. Right. And then they go and eat of it. And he's just gone. Like, he's just like, whatever. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times in our life, we will eat of the fruit of the tree. We'll do something, you know, sinful because we feel like we minimize it. And then we do exactly what Adam and Eve did. And we, we go and hide right. in shame. And then of course, after we've kind of bought the lie that, yeah. that it was worth it, then we, then we get sold another lie that says like, you're beyond forgiveness now. <laughs> right. And see how that's like a, that's a deal bait and switch. Yeah. Right. So we haven't read any scripture yet. I think at this point, <laughs> we've mentioned a few, <laughs> we've mentioned a few, but let's read a, a little bit of a longer passage. If you have your Bibles, uh, we encourage you to pull it out. We're going to go to Ephesians 2, uh, verses 4 through 9. And we just want to, we're going to tease out, um, we're really looking at the, the top and the bottom of this passage, but we're going to read the whole thing because context is a beautiful thing. Mm. Uh, do you want to read that? Sure. Okay. Uh, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which Mm -hmm. God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
Oh my goodness. There's just so much there, but you start to see how transparency is absolutely hinge. Everything about it hinges mm-hmm. on the gospel. Mm-hmm. It hinges on our belief that it is because of his great love. That's mm-hmm. verse four. Uh, we were once dead, but we, he has, he has made us alive. We didn't mm-hmm. claw our way out of the grave, but yeah. he has made us. He is the beginning in the, he's the author, the originator, the finisher of our faith, mm-hmm. the one who brings us from death. Yes. And then I love this, how Paul is juxtaposing or he's using the word work in a way to drive the point home mm-hmm. in that we are saved. It's a gift, not of our work. Okay. Every one of these lies has to do with our work. Mm-hmm. I, I don't deserve love because I haven't done the right things. Our covenant's not going to work because it's not going to, it's not going to, it's not going to survive this because right. we're not doing the right things mm-hmm. or the gospel is not going to get in there because I'm not good enough. God's grace isn't good enough. And Paul is saying that it's not because of your works, but it's because you are his workmanship. Mm. See that? Like, yes, that how he flips the script there. And then here's the kicker. He says, now created in Christ Jesus for good works. Mm. So yes, works are good. Works are part of our faith, but they're not the or- the origination of our faith. Mm-hmm. They're part of our salvation, but they're not the activation of our salvation. Nice. Right? <laughs> Didn't mean to sound that way. So I just I can't say this, I can't bring drive this point home hard enough is that we were dead and now we were alive. Mm-hmm. Like God saw it. He chose to enliven us. And why did this because of his covenantal love? Right? Right. That is the very basis and foundation of anything we could talk about in terms of transparency. Right. So uh, actually that last part of the verse, uh, I want to go to another passage. Okay. We're going to first John. So if you have your Bible again, go to first John chapter one, because that last part of, uh, of works is a beautiful. And when Paul says God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, he's talking about these good works. Yeah. So walking this language of walking, uh, that's a perfect segue into this passage, which really is the talking about God being the light. Well, I just want to stop yeah. real quick. Cause just pause real quick. Cause there's this illustration of um, this before we're transparent with our spouse, the transparency, and then the life afterwards. And I can't help but say that it reflects sort of this, the, we were dead, right? We're living in death. It sounds extreme. I know, but it's, it feels dark. It feels scary. It feels like you're alone sometimes when you're dealing with sin and shame and something all by yourself, right? So Mm -hmm. you're, you're in, we were dead, but then Christ died. So there's this, this moment of, of Christ, you know, we are now, we have, we have been imputed with his obedience, his righteousness by his grace only. Yeah. And then now we are called to this life, this, this yeah. walking out of the darkness and yeah. into the light as, as in Christ doing that. I mean, just in the tomb, his life, everything. It's yeah. just incredible. The parallels. I just want to yeah. throw some light well, on the, that. Yeah, throw some light on that. Yeah. So, <laughs> Shed so some light. throughout scripture, light is a theme yes. for uh, kind of the presence of God, for the reach of God, for mm-hmm. the view of God, for the effects of God, uh, the truths that he is, like just who he is shining into mm-hmm. the dark places metaphorically, but also literally in a lot of places. Yes. I think of like the transfiguration or, you know, Moses yeah. on the, and so just this blinding light of who God is. And so I, I don't want to lose sight of that as we yeah. read this next passage. Okay. Uh, let's read First uh, John chapter one, starting in uh, verse, verse five. five. Yeah. Okay. Uh, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we Mm -hmm. say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. 
If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hmm. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. That's the promise. He is faithful and just <laughs> yes. to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and transparency, my friends, is a part of that cleansing from all unrighteousness. Right. And that, it is good. The question is, is and we have to ask ourselves this, yes. is it worth it? Mm. Because so often we can talk ourselves out of that. Talk ourselves out of it because we can either we can minimize the sin, we can minimize God's mm. holiness, or we can maximize our goodness and try mm. to close that gap yep. and that need for the gospel, that need for forgiveness. Yeah. Uh, and so that's the question we have to ask ourselves. And this is, this whole thing's about marriage. It's about transparency. We're talking yeah. primarily to men. So we have to ask ourselves, is it worth it to rid myself of this burden, to rid myself of this sin? Right. And what is the what is the thing to be had? Well, unity, closer unity with Christ, communion with God. All right. Mm. When you're saved, you are you are grafted in. That's not going to change. But our sin does affect our communion and our closeness with God Himself. Even mm. though our salvation is secure, our communion can be broken. Mm. And so. There's that sense that we we it's worth it. It's worth the fight. It's worth confessing. It's worth being sanctified. And in a lot of ways, it's natural. And if it's not happening, it's an indication that there's a root problem. Right. The fruit is an indication of a root. And so, it's all uh, the rhymes tonight. <laughs> yeah, I'm so <laughs> articulate. So there always is a correlation. That's what we want to point to in this passage, right? There's always a correlation. You see it in First John one uh, between walking God's truth and two things: fellowship, mm -hmm. fellowship with God and man close relationship, walking alongside others. And the second thing is uh, being sanctified or sinning less, or the language we see in some translations is being purified mm. from all unrighteousness. And so that's a really close correlation. Now, what does it mean to walk in the light? Uh, that's We're going to talk about that next. We have these big obstacles that tend to kind of that kind of keep us from going down this path. Think mm. of the obstacles as a literal obstacle, maybe a, a hurdle in your way or a stone in your, something that has to be actively engaged and overcome. Mm. Okay. So we, walking in the light is an active thing. Paul or John is right. He doesn't, he doesn't say you sit in the light or you just wait in the light or you're patient in the light or you stand in the light or you just let the light shine on your face and warm. <laughs> no, you walk in it. You walk in full light of mm -hmm. everything God has done, everything he is, every promise that he's laid before you. And you walk that out in faith. Mm-hmm. Abraham was was the subject of this covenantal promise to God, the Abrahamic covenant. Mm -hmm. What was the one condition that God put on Abraham for that promise? Faith, mm. faith. And so this here we are standing at the beginning of this, uh, at the beginning of this transparency journey. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that we like. We are called to do what? To put our faith in Christ, mm -hmm. to put our faith in God's way, and to walk it out to step it out, to walk in the way, as Paul mm -hmm. talks about in, in Acts and various other books. So let's talk about what those, uh, I guess, what are those areas? And these are the big questions, okay? So right. we've kind of laid the case and the groundwork for transparency by looking at uh, these things that would obscure our transparency, these lies that we'll believe. Uh, and now, based on that, the questions are, which area, okay, in, our, in your relationship, you're listening to this, you, you have, you're going to turn your computer off, your phone off, and you're going to be in your life. Like, what is the area that, mm -hmm. that presents the biggest obstacle and the biggest opportunity for transparency in this moment? Now, you might resonate with one or more of these. I think our action 
our action, I think, ask in this is to yes. find one and move forward in that. So let's yeah. talk about those. Yeah. So um, I think we'll just run through them real quick and then we'll go one by one uh, and then talk about a truth and then one step you can take to step into the light and then a next step as a couple. So this is kind of the more tangible piece of our talk tonight. Um, the first obstacle would be uh, past hurts and lack of forgiveness um, in them. So past hurts and lack of forgiveness in them or ourselves. So in our spouse yeah. or in ourselves. Um, the second one, okay. I will go through this really fast. Sorry, sorry. Uh, past shame. Yeah. That will tend to invalidate your feeling of being fully loved. We talked about that mm -hmm. in, in our story. Uh, active sin. Um, uh, you know what that means, you guys, that could be typically among men, it's a pornography addiction or some sort of addiction, something that you haven't quite let go. Alcohol, drugs, work, uh, <laughs> even hobbies, things that are actively kind of creating uh, disordered in. love yeah. in your life. Yeah. Uh, poor communication. Now, this is getting very pragmatic. So past hurts, past shame, active sin, poor communication. What does that look like? Well, unbridled communication, uh, un unmetered, stonewalling each other, manipulative mm -hmm. language, mm -hmm. uh, those sorts of things. And the final one is passivity or laziness when it comes to pursuing each other. Mm -hmm. Each one of these things will create their obstacles mm -hmm. to be overcome. Now, whatever, whoever you, wherever you're at, whatever your season in life, one of those probably is louder than others. Mm -hmm. And we're saying zero in on that one. But as we go through these, we're going to offer kind of, we're going to talk about the obstacle a little bit more. We just have a few more minutes here. Uh, and we're going to hopefully um, overcome the obstacle with truth and then give you a really tangible step into the light. Right. Right. So we're going to continue this theme of walking in the light as an active step of faith. It's yes. not, and again, it's a path with a promise. You're not just doing it because Ryan and Selena Frederick said to do it, <laughs> or your church leader or your pastor or uh, Impactus said to do it. You're doing it because there's a promise, and the promise is more fellowship with God, more righteousness, and more sanctification. So obstacle one, past hurts uh, and lack of resolution and forgiveness. Right. Uh, well, I mean, the truth is that we are sinners, right? We are forgiven. So mm. if if there are past hurts, there's things that we haven't yeah. resolved, I think, between each other, um, or even maybe before you were married. Again, if that prompting of the Holy yeah. Spirit is, is there, then we need to recognize mm. who we are. We're sinners. We're saved by grace. Uh, through faith. So God yeah. has not held our sins against us. So in this act of forgiveness, we yeah. can, we cannot not forgive. We have to forgive each other. Yeah. Um, forgiveness again is not just a blank slate trusting. Everything's good. We're right back where we started. Uh, forgiveness is also a journey yeah. uh, of tr rebuilding trust in a lot of ways. Yeah. So um, there may be consequences that we have to work out. Uh, but yeah. for that, we need to walk in faith. So this, um, you can talk about this. Well, this is one of the biggest areas. Um, I saw a poll recently where mm. basically they started uh, the sentences. What's one, th this blank made our marriage stronger than ever. Hmm. Like what name one thing that made your marriage stronger than ever in the life of your marriage. There were, as you can imagine, varying answers, but you start to see themes float to the, the surface. I'd say one of the most prevalent, if not, if not the most prevalent theme was when we dealt with past hurts. Hmm. And what does that usually look like? You're taking the time to actually talk through it. You're taking the time to seek reconciliation. Mm. A lot of times we'll have a past past hurt. The bomb will drop. You never actually clean up the destruction. Yeah. You just like the, the explosion's gone and we're sorry, but we're <laughs> still living in it, the destruction of it yeah. instead of rebuilding. And that rebuilding is an immensely hard thing to do. It's mm -hmm. immensely hard work. 
but that's what these couples were saying. And there's hundreds of them that responded said, it's when we finally got through and got past mm. these past hurts. We worked through them. So that's the step into the light. So the truth that you talked about is we're all sinners and we're forgiven. If you need confirmation of that, conviction of that, and how being forgiven means that we must forgive one another, go read Matthew 18, the parable of the unforgiving servant. Just wrecks my life every time. <laughs> uh, Colossians 3.13 says, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. Mm. That's an imperative. That's not a suggestion. It's a command. Right. You must also forgive. Right. So the step into the light is if you were wronged, um, forgive. And I know that I don't mean to sound like it's not an easy thing to do, but we're saying it's a necessary thing to do. And it's a, it's a thing that we, you need to start walking toward if you haven't started walking toward that. Mm. But here's the kicker. We forgive and then we seek steps of re reconciliation. Mm. So if you've sinned, that's if you were wronged against. Uh, if you were the sinner in that case, offer a heartfelt. And this is, this is psychology 101. This is the first step down the road of getting past hurts and reconciliation. Yeah. We're not psychologists, but we know this much is that you need to offer. If you're the, if you're the offender, offer a heartfelt um, confession, a heartfelt earnest request for forgiveness, mm -hmm. and then display behavior that shows that you've actually repented, that you've turned from that sin and you're now walking toward life, toward truth, toward right. health. Being that workmanship. Right. Yes. Right. So the next step, I think, as a couple would just be to prayerfully seek reconciliation together, right? You yeah. can do this as an individual, of course, as well, but yeah. um, seek the reconciliation and get outside help as necessary from pastors or Christian counselors or yeah. wherever, uh, another mentor guide couple. And it's, it's an active thing. It's again, yeah. so walking because that can hurt. Um, we've had relationships in our life, friends, uh, family relationships that have, it hurts. It hurts to take down that, take that step, but it's a step of faith. I'm actually having to make that step right now <laughs> in another, not this relationship, but another relationship uh, yeah. toward reconciliation. Uh, so that's a challenge. Um, okay. So the second obstacle, we'll try to get through these fairly quickly. So we have some time for some questions. The second obstacle is past shame that mm -hmm. invalidates the feeling of love. Like you, you don't feel loved or you don't feel lovable. Mm -hmm. The truth to dispel that is that uh, God, here's the thing. God knows your sin. He still loves mm -hmm. you, right? Romans 5, 8. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, I see the picture of Adam and Eve in 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 Genesis 3, walking, mm -hmm. hiding from God as he's as they hear his steps in the garden. And God asks, where have you gone? God knew where they were. Can't lose them. <laughs> he, he wasn't like, oh no, I've lost the humans. <laughs> like he knows, he knows you. Right. And it was while you're sinners that, he died for you. Right. Okay, that truth dispels this lie that your past, your shame makes you unlovable. Because mm. the God of the universe, the perfect, holy, uh, immeasurable, majestic, right. perfect God of the universe right. has told you otherwise, that right. you are lovable. So what's the step into the light? The step into the light then would be um, realizing that your shame is an opportunity mm. uh, for you to feel and for your wife I guess as if a man, if the husband's confessing uh, to express the love uh, of God in brand new ways. Um, it takes a lot of talking, a lot of trusting, a lot yeah. of prayer. Um, and as you know, he shared his story again, I'm continually asking the Lord um, to help me hmm. build trust with him to be able to share things. Um, and I'm continually asking God to help me like, be a good confessor, I guess, or a better repenter, not better. That just to continue, continue to repent and to create that, um, 
I guess not an ease, but a, a, a place to be able to be comfortable in this. It becomes part of our language. It becomes part of our yeah. rhythms and our language of yeah. like, hey, we can fight faster. We can reconcile sooner. There's forgiveness. There's grace. I understand where I am, where you are. So that step into the light, you know, really is mm. just seeing us as an opportunity and asking God to help us and how to trust him and how to root out the shame uh, and to give us the words to really articulate where we're at, because yeah. that is, it's really hard sometimes to just communicate some of that. I don't want to gloss over that thing that you said. It's so powerful is that your shame or the shame that your spouse brings to you is an opportunity to experience the love of God in profound new ways. Mm. And so I, I just want like press into that. That's the promise on the right. other side of this. Right. Uh, and even if, even if your spouse fails at loving you in that, even if they fail, that's an opportunity to feel God's love in a new and different way. Even they will, Even we all, if, we will fail. So right. when we fail, when they fail, well, I'm saying in that moment, like we had in yes. the car, yes. you didn't fail me. Mm. I'm saying if, if your spouse fails you in that regard and they respond in a different way, by God's grace, you could still experience the goodness. Yeah. We still need yeah. to keep coming back because it's yeah. just, if we don't keep coming back, we're just going to keep living in yeah. that, in the darkness and be hiding and re re withdrawn. Um, so, Third obstacle. Ah, uh, yes. Number three. Okay. Uh, active sin. All right. This is the conviction time. Okay. If there's any sort of sin that is unconfessed and mm -hmm. active and unrepentant, uh, this is going to be an obstacle to your transparency, to your closeness. You're going to be living in close proximity, but emotional distance. All right. You have to be known in this way, not just so you can wallow in it and be a pig in mud, but because it's called it's out of it being called out of it and dragged out of it and, and pulled out of it. So mm -hmm. here's the thing about sin is that we can rationalize it. We're really good at rationalizing sin. We saw it in the garden. It's it's, it's hardwired into us. <laughs> our, our desire for goodness. Anyways. Yes. It's like, oh, it's it, what they don't know can't hurt them. Right. I, I don't have to actually, I can deal with it by myself on my own. Uh, I don't have to tell him or her. I can just deal with it. And then once I'm fixed, then I can tell it to him as a past tense thing. Right. That's rationalizing. Or it's not that bad. Uh, it's, it's, it's not as bad as everyone says it is. You're just making a big deal out of it. Yeah, we do that. We minimize our sin because we, we minimize the gospel. Mm. All right. Remember the good news is only as good as the bad news is bad. Right. And the bad news is pretty bad. You guys read the old Testament, read the whole thing in my life, <laughs> but the good news is better. That's yes. the thing. And that's the gospel. So don't minimize it. Call it what it is, uh, particularly around the idea of pornography. Um, it continues to be uh, a, a pandemic of its own mm -hmm. nature. And in a lot of ways it's just, it's the worst. Uh, and so, Someone once told me, he says, we need to stop treating pornography like a fly at the picnic and treat it like what it really is. It's a viper in the bedroom. Mm -hmm. It will kill a marriage. It will kill your soul as it sears the conscience. Mm -hmm. it, it hardens the heart and it is toxic. It is right. death. It is death not just to you personally, it, it, internally. It's a death to your relationship. It's death to our society. Yeah. So stop treating it like just a fly at the picnic. It's a viper yeah. in the bedroom and it's poisonous and it will kill us. So the step into the light is... Again, you'll hear this refrain, mm -hmm. repent and believe the gospel. Mm. Repent of that sin. Turn from it. Ask God to help you. You guys, the Lord's prayer, uh, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from mm. evil. I, I started praying that a couple of years ago in the mornings. Of course, I elaborate on it, but like, God, help me avoid, uh, avoid to eschew temptation. Mm. Help me to see it for what it is and then run from it. Mm. Uh, that's a prayer that you can pray. We can confess it to God and then to your spouse yeah. and then begin down the path of rebuilding trust after that sin's been brought out into the, into the light. All right. So active sin number four is poor communication. Mm. 
that is a big obstacle. <laughs> I just read it. I'm like, oh man. I it's mean, a huge topic. We're 17 years in a marriage and we still have terrible communication at, with some things. We've gotten yeah. better, but I'm just like, how are you not hearing what <laughs> I am saying right now? I cannot make it any clearer. <laughs> yes, of course. But the words that we say are powerful. And if I don't, excuse me, if I don't put the weight in the words that he's putting the weight in, then we're mm. going to have a clashing yeah. of the Titans for sure. So again, massive, massive topic. Uh, we've got a lot of resources on, on communication within <laughs> our fierce marriage ecosystem, uh, but I, I'll still it down. The Bible has some pretty cool, pretty obvious themes around communication. The first one is this, is that words matter. Yes. Words are powerful. How you speak to one another, one another is powerful. Enough said. Be, yeah. uh, the second one, listening is better than James, speaking. Be quick, to, sl- slow to speak. Quick to listen. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so listening is not an option, but speaking is optional. Hmm. Uh, listening is best speaking. Isn't so well, and listening again, there's a way to listen, right? We're not just going to listen to respond. <laughs> yeah. We're going to listen and try to find that agreement and that point where we can start from. Yep. Yeah. And that's the third kind of big principle we see all throughout scripture is that communication is a tool for bringing others close. Mm. And that could be to reconcile a relationship. That could be to resolve a conflict. It could be just to know one another more deeply. We use words as tools to that end. So that's why we listen. I genuinely want to know what's going on in your heart, in your head, in your guts. Tell me. But it only works if I listen (laughs) while you talk. So, uh, So the step into the light is just that is Listen, ask questions, slow down, mm-hmm. slow down the cadence, especially when you feel an argument escalating. Right. Uh, the best way to diffuse those bombs is to just slow the cadence, quit mm-hmm. responding so, with such quickness. Yeah. Instead, pause, think, try to rearticulate. Mm-hmm. Um, and ask questions. And again, listen to not just respond, but listen and find that agreement point to, a begin, deeper meaning. to begin from. Yeah. Try to hear what they're saying with their heart, not with their words. Uh, that takes some emotional <laughs> awareness, emotional maturity, yes. but you can do it. Okay. So it, here's a really fun exercise that we do around communication. Yeah. Cause you might be thinking, well, yeah, I want to have deeper conversations. I don't know where to start. Help me. Cause we've been staring at the same walls for the last <laughs> year. We haven't gotten out. There's no restaurants. Nothing's open. How right. are we like, we can't experience anything new. Here's some stuff that you, that will help three questions. We call it the heart check. Mm-hmm. Uh, what book is in your hand? And then just talk about it. Mm-hmm. What voice is in your ear? Podcasts are all the rage right now. Sermons. Yeah, whatever. Sermon, podcast, audiobooks. video, audiobook. What's in your What's What's in your ear? Let's talk about that. And the third thing is, what is the Lord stirring in your heart? Mm. Like, what is the vision that he has for you? How is he leading you? What are you learning in the word? Mm-hmm. How is he convicting, prompting you? Yeah. Uh, these are great ways to start open-ended conversations that aren't, that aren't you know, uh, they don't get distracted or you don't, yeah. you don't get stuck. So, All last right, the one. last one is passivity, laziness, lack of discipline in pursuing mm. one another. This is a big obstacle, <laughs> and I think it's kind of the default for us. And we can just, it's so, I think it's just easier to fall into oh. passivity, right? And to be lazy, we're tired, we've been parenting, we've been working behind a <laughs> screen, we've been doing yeah. all the things, right? And so we just kind of go to the easiest, the lowest common denominator of, well, it's fine. I mean, we'll deal with it later. Well, no. It, well, it's like pursuing each other. Uh, we, we can't go out to dinner. So what am I, gonna, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> right? We tend to just find yeah. that that status quo, which for us, we love watching. There's a show on the History Channel. It's called Mountain Men. <laughs> so late, we yes. love it. It's like it's become kind of our way to bond. Uh, but if we're not careful, we can just settle into that routine. And pretty yeah. soon we stop having meaningful conversations. We stop laughing. Mm-hmm. And so once in a while, we got to mix it up. We got to, instead of just vegging out in front of the TV at night, Maybe talk about scripture or just 
like a few nights ago, we had a pretty <laughs> epic tickle fight. Selena's a awesome tickler to my to my chagrin. Uh, oh, so, I did, yeah. Yeah, it was sometimes epic. I can I can muscle it in. I but... almost threw up. I laughed so hard. <laughs> <Okay>. Yes, <laughs> she's stronger than she looks. I take my word on that. Uh, so the point being is you gotta you gotta mix it up, yeah. and that takes a certain level of uh, you're avoiding passivity. All right, mm. speaking to the men here. Just we are called not to be passive. Mm. We're also not called to be aggressive. We're called to be active, engaged, mm. uh, actively taking on this responsibility, this these, this role as husband, mm. as as head of the house, as father, if you have kids. And so uh, step into that. Mm. Step into the light in that way. And what that looks like for you, it could be praying. Here's the, here's the most tangible step that I can give a husband looking to engage his family is pray more. Mm. Pray more. Open your Bible. If you don't know where to go, go to John. Just start reading in John. If you have kids, maybe go to Genesis. John has some great stories as well. If you And if you want to take it up one notch with your wife, ask her, sit down. Kids are asleep or you're together. Just ask her, how can I pray for you? What's in your heart? How can I pray for you? As your husband, I care about you. I want to go to God on your behalf. What can I pray for? Ah, it's nothing sweeter than hearing that. And then after <laughs> she answers you, say, can we pray together right now? Mm. And grab your wife's hands and just start praying with her. I'm shocked at how many men uh, find that hard to do. I, I'm a it's little, not easy I'm, I'm shocked. sometimes. Right. And I remember, then I remember back to how it was hard at first for us too. Yeah. Anything so, new or that you haven't done for a while, yeah. it it's, can be uncomfortable. So, so that's not to keep shame. Step into it's, it. It's, it's to encourage you. To keep, keep at it. If, if, you, if you feel like it's really hard, you're not alone. Yes. And you can step into that with confidence. So uh, hopefully you found something helpful. Really quick recap on these obstacles. Past hurts can be an obstacle. Uh, the step into the light is to... Uh, to seek forgiveness, mm. to forgive one another, mm -hmm. to forgive yourself. The second one is past shame can invalidate your feelings of being loved. Remember the gospel in that. Mm. Active sin. Repent, believe, trust the gospels enough to to that you're loved in, in Christ and your 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 spouse can be a part of that process mm -hmm. uh, in that confession. Poor communication. Um, learn to have good conversations. I know it's a big loaded thing to say, but that's a, that's an art you can learn. The final one is uh is just avoid passivity get active, uh, pursue one another. And we're confident that as you take your steps down this path of transparency, you guys, it, it, you'll have hope along the way, mm -hmm. but you'll have growth along the way. And that promise, that promise is secure that Christ is enough and uh, confident that you'll see growth in these areas in your marriage. So that's it. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for letting us talk to you guys. It's been <laughs> a joy. Hopefully uh, it's been helpful to you. I think Paul's going to hop back on the screen here. That's all. There he is. Hey, Paul. Hey. Wow, that was incredible. Uh, I just sat here just glued to the screen and, and I'd be happy to keep on going. That was, that was a power-packed uh, 35 minutes or so. I, I love the obstacles that you spoke about. Um, you know, you just made it, you made it so real for us, you know. And, okay. and I got to say, as, as a husband myself, as a guy, um, I'll say this tongue-in-cheek, I'm encouraged that you guys struggle with communication as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I'm encouraged that, that you're encouraged, that means you struggle with it too. So, oh, there's no question. I've been sitting here. There's, there's, you know, I could, I could see as you were going through the obstacles, you know, the weaknesses that I have and and areas that I need to work on for sure. And but thank you so much. Oh, that was incredible, really. Um, Thanks, Paul. So encouraging. Uh, you know, you talked about one of the things we see a lot with guys is past shame. Um, guys really struggle in that area with past shames and, and not being able to let go of the past so they can move forward. Um, communication is obviously a big thing for guys. And uh, yeah. that, it's that struggle to, 
I just say pray with your wife or pray with your family or get out of the habit and then having to get back into it. It's uh, that yeah. can be, it can be tough for guys. Yeah. 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 It's, 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 here's one thing that was really encouraging to me on that front. Uh, I'm not naturally a, a talker. Like I'm much, I, I'm, I was a wallflower all throughout middle school, He's high school. more of a talker. <laughs> yeah. But I learned something. I, I learned that in actually, so I'm in my, I'm 38 now. I don't care who knows it. <laughs> uh, I'm in my, and so at the, I think 36 is where I, I read an article is by Josh, Josh and Christy Straub. Okay. And they basically talking about emotional maturity, emotional intelligence. And they basically said so simply, they're like, you can grow in this. This is something that you can Actually, you don't have to just be born with emotional intelligence, emotional intuition, awareness, emotional awareness yeah. or maturity. Men, you can learn this skill of learning to empathize with your wife. You can learn the skill of asking these incisive, uh, insight, uh, insightful questions and then probing for deeper answers. You can learn that. That's a skill that you can learn. I was really encouraged to, to learn that in my mid 30s. <laughs> I'm encouraged to learn that I haven't capped, haven't <laughs> topped out yet on that skill. I can still learn. So. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not great in that area either. I'm not a big small talker and, and it, it can be challenging. There's yeah. no question. I, I want to encourage everyone that's watching tonight. If you've got comments, questions, please put them in the comment section and we would love to uh, bring them to Ryan and Selena and, and ask. Uh, I have a handful of questions here that have come to us some prior to um, our, uh, sure. our session tonight. What is one step a couple can take towards a see-through marriage? Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, Hopefully you found a step in the within the obstacles that we provided um, and the steps out into the light. I think uh, the most, and I didn't mention at the very end, but I think the very most kind of visceral, most actionable step, if you're looking at this, you're, it feels like you're staring down the barrel of a gun. <laughs> like, how am I going to do this thing? Yeah. Uh, is just pray. Okay. And, and the reason why I say that is not a cop out, but it's because you can't do this alone. All right. Mm-hmm. I forget who said it. It was a theologian, somebody smarter than me, said, we don't pray because we think we don't need God. Mm. And so our prayer life is an indication of how how much our hearts actually need God and are reliant on Him. So praying, because this is a challenge that a lot of couples will face, and they, they, they're at the end of a, edge of a cliff, getting ready to jump. Well, yeah, you need God to, to, to carry you. And so pray together, pray alone, spend as much time praying until you know what that next step is. And then believe me, you'll know the Holy Spirit is faithful and he will convict in the right way. And then just pray for the conviction obedience. and the obedience. <laughs> there it is. The obedience to actually take those next yeah. steps uh, and then trusting that they're worth it. Oh, that's great. Thank you. Yeah. Taking that first step can always be the hardest part. There's no question. Yeah. How does selfishness chip away at the health of a relationship? <laughs> Uh, how to selfish just not chip away. <laughs> yeah, being selfish, definitely. It's like a hammer to your marriage. You know, it's I don't think we realize how selfish we are until we're married. And then I realized how selfish I was when I had children. <laughs> um, because we I think just we are either me centered or we are God centered. Right. And so mm-hmm. when I am me centered, that's kind of our default. That's what we're kind of waging against. Right. This sinful, broken self that is all about me. Um, I'm going to f- feel feelings of entitlement that why doesn't my husband treat me the way that he should treat me? Why are we not yeah. going on these elaborate vacations? Why are we not spending the money that I want to spend or do what I want to do? You know, selfishness just begins to. Um, yeah chip away at the foundation, I think, of understanding yeah. the gospel and how 
we are called to be stewards of, you know, our resources or stewards of each other's hearts. Um, It's antithetical to biblical love. really. That's, that's what you're getting at is that it's the call of the biblical love is selflessness. Die to self. It's dying to self. Yes. And uh, selfishness would extract everything from my spouse. Like you, you are a resource of mine, whether it's for, you know, my, my sexual desires, I'm object, you're something to to extract value from. And that's what selfishness does. It says, I need to get as much out of you as I can do what I want you to do. Let's do. And so as soon as that stops, Mm -hmm. uh, then we have a problem because now you're no longer a valuable resource to Mm me. Uh, The opposite of that is selfless love. So the picture that comes to mind here and in the selfish side is Smeagol, Gollum and Lord Lord of the the Rings. Rings. He's just the the precious, you know, he's just like, he's so just wrapped around that he has to have it. And it's, and it just, what does it do to him over time? It just turns him into this shriveled, decrepit, decrepit creature. Mm -hmm. And our selfishness will do the same thing in marriage. Biblical love is the opposite. You flourish. I think of, what is it? Psalm, I always forget the number. 128. One, we'll call it 128. <laughs> I don't know. It's the blesses the man who fears the Lord. His wife yes, will be uh, like a fruitful vine. We're on How the same wavelength. Look at that. His wife will be like a fruitful vine. His children will be olive shoots around his tables. Mm. He will see his children and his children's children. Mm. He'll see the the he'll see the, the flourishing of Israel, right? Mm. The, of God's kingdom, right? So that selflessness that is rooted in a fear of the Lord. That says that my marriage is not my own. Mm. I am called to steward, right? That will have yeah. the opposite effect. We will flourish instead of uh, instead of shriveling, like uh, and dying. Uh, yeah. We'll we'll flourish and we'll bear fruit, and it's a multiplying fruit. That's the thing is, generosity begets generosity. Mm. Love begets love, and so answer your question, Paul, is that selfishness is just it is the it's a cancer mm-hmm. to every relationship to every marriage, and it needs to be rooted out. Wow! Wow! Very good. Um, you know, you didn't touch on it tonight, but you have in your books talked about uh, the importance of knowing and taking care of yourself spiritually, physically, and psychologically. Why does that matter in marriage, especially in this pandemic world we live in today? And, and what would that look like? Yeah. Yeah. So that's in the part of the book where we do talk about uh, being see-through to yourself. Um, and I, I really struggle with this part, to be honest, because because of the, the culture we live in. And that uh, self-actualization is the is seen as the pinnacle of human existence. Right. Right? If you can just live it's your truth, right? Kind of thing, you can yeah. be, you can just, yeah, you can somehow just, you can find the answers in yourself. That's not at all a biblical says. call. They said the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all else. But here's mm-hmm. the thing: is it also says we're created in God's image, and so there's this need to know ourselves enough. Uh, I think it's Psalm like ninety twelve, Lord, teach us to number yeah. our days that we might gain what a oh, wisdom. Mm-hmm. And so we have to know and, and care for ourselves, to steward ourselves, because mm-hmm. the biggest truth is that aside from being made in God's image is we are not infinite. Mm-hmm. We're, we're made in God's, God's image, but we're not God. Yeah. We don't, we have these fragile bodies. And so when we talk about that in terms of living transparently, it's understanding that, hey, late at night, this is an example Late at night, my blood sugar tanks. Like, that's not a good time to have hard conversations. Yeah, we're tired. Everybody's just, it's just not wisdom, right? Have the wisdom to say, hold on. I love you enough to say, let's talk about this tomorrow. Right. And wisdom and knowing also how we can better care for each other. Knowing, you know, kind of his weaknesses or his strengths um, and how I can love him better in that and give him and be generous with time that he might need. Or, you know, as a mom and a wife, like, hey, he said he offers to take the kids. I'm going to go have 
I hate to call it me time because it's not the time to just forget all my worries and like throw caution to the wind, but it's time that I'm being sewn into. I'm in scripture. Yeah. I am praying. It's time that I can rejuvenate for these wonderful and beautiful tasks and roles that God has given to me uh, to steward well for his glory. Yeah. So, well said. yeah. Oh, so well said, um, especially in this, this pandemic time and, and yeah. taking care of ourselves, no question. Uh, so in your marriage, where has practicing transparency been most challenging? Well, I shared the story. Um, oh, good. So here I go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think being, I think sometimes try, trying to find, um, trying to be honest about my feelings or think that how I've been hurt without hurting him and saying that, does that yeah. make sense? So like I've been hurt because I feel like you're treating me a certain way or you've been ignoring me or, um, I don't feel like we've been connecting and those are hard that I, I know him. And so I know that when I say those things, they bear a lot of weight. And so mm. I'm like, here, I'm here. I am trying to be transparent about where, where I'm at, what I'm feeling. And, um, of course he takes it personal. And so then it's hard to kind of, I think, work that out. Sometimes that's mm. been a real struggle for us. Um, we're yeah. both learning. I'm, I'm learning how to really try to paint that picture a little bit more clearly with better communication and, you rhetorically, I think, ask some questions and saying, yeah. this is not what I'm saying. I'm not saying this thing. I'm saying this. And how can I better communicate this um, without, I don't want you to feel hurt, but I want us to find a path forward together. I've noticed that, um, by the way, yes. this is like real time <laughs> growth stuff here. Uh, it's a constant battle. But uh, in, on that note, I struggle. I've had to learn how to listen more charitably and identify wrong motives in my own heart manipulation tactics that I might be putting into into play mm -hmm. without realizing mm -hmm. it. And, and so a lot of the way that works out the most tangibly for me is I I try to express and, and, and verify meaning. Mm -hmm. So we're having a hard talk or something, you feel it escalating. This is a version of transparency, right? I'm trying to say, okay, I don't want to just take that thing that you said to the nth degree. That's a manipulation tactic because that's not sure. <laughs> you're not actually saying that, but I'm using that to win the the fight. We're recording this, right? This yeah. is all on record, so I can go back to this. I'm just kidding. Not this part. <laughs> he's he's going to cut it. Cut it out. <laughs> um, so the point, yeah, the point being that I, I have to identify, I've learned through being transparent and seeing you and learning to listen more charitably and then responding in a way that isn't just trying to win the the battle, but instead trying to win your heart. Mm. I've noticed that. And that, for sure. right. And so, but that has, that's been one of the biggest benefits of transparency because we can actually say to each other, hey, you're manipulating right now. And if you're Doesn't transparent, always go well, but, <laughs> but if you're transparent with each other, you'll we say, you know it. what? Yeah. You're right. You're actually right. And I'm okay. Like, I'm not perfect and I need to fix this. <laughs> I need to repent. I'm sorry. That takes a, I mean, that's harder that's to do in the lot. moment. Yeah. It's easy to say here and now yeah. when we're feeling great. But, uh, <laughs> the Lord is faithful yes. and prompting you and then enabling that repentance. Mm -hmm. Remember the faith that we have is, is a, is a gift. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so the repentance that we are able to offer is a gift. And so I guess to step down those paths. Yeah. Yeah. As you say, just keep remembering one John one nine, he is faithful and just to forgive us. Yes. All unrighteousness. Mm. Yes. Another great, another great question here as a husband, is there a healthy balance between confessing certain sins to your wife and your brothers in Christ? So as a husband, is there a healthy balance between confessing certain sins to your wife and your brothers in Christ? Yeah. Um, yes, I will say yes, absolutely. Because some, depending on your personality, uh, some guys uh, I've that I've interacted with, 
um, it's, it's like they're very interested in rehashing the sin, kind of, I'll use the word wallowing in it, although that, that lacks some nuance. They, they kind of want to get into the nitty gritty of it, but don't, but, but uh, consistently, I'll say this, they consistently fail to take steps out of it, right? Uh, so the same, the same gospel that gave us our salvation is the same gospel that gives us our sanctification. And just like David, right? David, when he stood before Goliath, he threw that stone. He defeated the giant. That was the that was a decisive victory, right? Christ is the greater David. Uh, we, in a lot of ways, are the people of of Israel in that in that sense. But what did the people of Israel do? They charged into battle. Okay, so the the, the victory has been decided. It's been won. The giant is defeated. Death is defeated. But the war rages on against our flesh. And so there's this sense of girding ourselves up. I'll use that language. We're talking to men, like girding up our loins and getting into battle. And so when you ask that question, is there a balance to this? It should be effectual. Like our confession should be effectual, not therapeutic. And what? And so there's a time for therapy. There's a time for, for hashing out kind of the root of it. And that's good biblical counseling. A pastoral counseling. It's it's under dad's a counselor. My dad's a counselor. It's underrated. Yeah. You need that um, if you need to hash this stuff out. But I'm saying that our confession to our brothers in Christ is in on the battlefield. All right. If someone's injured and they're trying to put a, a salve on your wound or a, a a bandage on your wound, that's so that you can get back up and start fighting. And so when you it, it that's I think if I'm going to draw a line in the sand, it's the confession should be effectual. It should be effective. There should be forward motion. If there's and there's nuance to addiction, right? Because there's a physiological thing that needs to be rewired and worked on, uh, and there's a process there. But I'm just saying, if we're if ever we're wallowing in it, that's a red light. Uh, that's a, that's well, a and I think flag. how do you share with your spouse, your wife, the sins? You're not necessarily rehashing the crime scene, right? But you're not right. um, glossing over and not being completely like honest. So I guess honest, I think with motivation or honest, you need to be honest with yeah. what the sin was and how you're repentant of it. Yeah. Right. So a lot of times, uh, again, talking to men, well, again, the same topic, sexual temptation um, and failure and addiction, pornography, stuff like that. We can be talking to other brothers and we can say, you know, you've got four guys, you're in a group or whatever. You say, let's do the check-ins. How's everybody doing? And you say, well, you know, I was, I was tempted this week and I, I struggled with sexual temptation. Yeah. Okay. That, 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 that's, that's better than nothing, mm -hmm. but that is what I would uh, categorize as a false vulnerability. And here's why I think the better version of that, the meaningful risk version of that. And this is, there's a book by, uh, who's it by? Andy uh, no, it's mm. um, not Andy Stanley. It's, um, it's called uh, Strong in the Weak, mm. Andy Crouch. Crouch, Andy. And he talks about meaningful risk in that book and how it's truly being vulnerable in a sense that the other person can't, has the chance to hurt you and hoping that they won't hurt you. Okay. So the meaningful risk version of that, oh, I was tempted and it was hard is saying, I looked at pornography today I and I did it for two, for, you know, however long, for 20 minutes or whatever. And I did it five times this week or three times this week. And here's what led me down that path. Now, you don't want to say, here's the website I went to. Here's the things I, you know, you don't want to rehash all that stuff. But I think being risk, having enough meaningful risk to say, to actually show where your heart went wrong. Or like I was, and, and, and exposing that sin in a meaningful way so that you can actually do surgery on the actual wound. Otherwise it's just, it's ineffectual. And so that's what I mean. So there's a boundary I'd put around. I'd say, put the boundary around the fake version of that. 
be real around it without, um, while also being sensitive to the fact that you want to rehash the crime scene. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. So where do you see the balance? Um, you know, cause you've talked about being really honest and transparent with your wife, uh, which great advice as a men's ministry, we encourage men to, to, uh, iron sharpens iron. And so does a, a friend sharpen a friend. Um, and we, we really encourage accountability. So yeah. where do you see that balance in terms of, um, I, I, I speak to my guys, my accountability group versus I speak to my wife. Yeah, that that's tricky. Um, we, so our marriage, and I don't want to project our marriage on anyone else, but Selena is my first accountability partner. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, th- as was men, a journey to get, there's to. a journey to get there. Um, it was the most liberating evolution of our marriage. I think for me as a man in our early, in our, in our early marriage to kind of overcome temptation. It was unbelievable uh, transformation there. But as men, there are certain things that I, I feel like we can still protect our wives from without hiding things. Like we never want to hide things. There's no secrets, but there is um, there is a certain aspect of protection. And so we always, and I used this phrase earlier, used it earlier, is we don't want to rehash the, the crime scene because there's a, there's a certain point where that the benefit curve takes a dive. Like it's, it's no longer beneficial to, to confess you need to confess enough to root out the sin and then leave it at that. And so that's the balance there. Now, in terms of the nature of it, I think um, like if you're struggling with pornography or whatever the thing is um, you're and you're totally hiding it from your wife, but you're only telling your, your guy friends, I think that's probably not, um, not ideal. You would want your wife to, it's going to be hard. She needs to deal with that. And that's going to be hard, but you sinned against her. You need to, you need, you need to confess to her. You can't, you're not sinning against your guy friends. You're sinning against your wife in that, in that extramarital sexual satisfaction, extramarital sexual activity. And so you need to go to her, confess it, deal with the fallout of it. Again, there's a path with a promise to get to the other side, which is what fellowship mm-hmm. and purification from all sin. Excellent. How does one, uh, how does one spouse, let's say we have one spouse who uh, is very open um, with their with their feelings are very transparent and and one is not so how does one encourage the other without forcing the conversation <laughs> what do you think <laughs> <laughs> gosh i don't know if that's just a question of knowing your spouse and being known by them um cuz we have friends like this that she's very you know, here's my feelings. This is what we're going through. And he's like two word guy, right? There's not much. Yeah. Um, but she knows him. So she knows um, the weight of her, of his words. So the things that he might come back and say. Um, and I guess I think no. I would just say, just keep asking questions and keep being humble in that because yeah. it's so easy to, um, as that personality to just kind of run over the spouse and just be like, why don't you just tell me, like, just get it out there. And the other one's like, I don't really know what it is yet, maybe, or, yeah. you know, and so I think that if we can just humbly continue to ask questions, continue to have conversations around it mm-hmm. um, and asking, you know, hey, I, I don't want to be uh, divided on this. So if we need to yeah. put a pause and like take a time out right now, then that's fine with me. But I really want to come back to this conversation. Yeah. Uh, to find more reconciliation about it, around it. Yeah, you got to be careful not to not to require of them to be a clone of you. Yeah, so we you, are, we project a lot. You have to learn how your spouse is responding and right. learn to read 
and hear what they're saying, even though yeah. they may not be saying the words, but you can, you have to read between the lines and yeah. And just, you know, the, the, the questions phrased it, how can I be encouraging without forcing? I think right. was the, well, you just do, you do just that as you just right. encourage and sometimes no, your spouse feels loved. Yeah. And, yeah. And really tangibly speaking, sometimes it's just uh, because there's so much, too much distraction. Yeah. You don't have the bandwidth or the time or the space to actually go deep enough. You need enough, you need more time. So turn off the TV, you know, mm -hmm. go on, go somewhere where you, you know, do something to create the place where you can have uh, those conversations. Wow. Great answer. Well, I don't see any other, any more questions this evening. I don't know if anyone else has questions for us, any of our, our viewers tonight. Is there any last thoughts you want to leave with, uh, with everyone tonight, Ryan and Selena? Oh man. Uh, this has been, what's that? Oh yeah. Yeah. We have a few resources. Okay. If you're, if you're wondering, okay, yeah. what do I do? How do I step forward? We have two things. It depends on kind of your, your level of depth. And we have a lot of books and stuff. You can go to fiercemarriage.com, find our shop, lots of books. If you like reading books, <laughs> uh, but there's two really tangible steps. One of them is uh, it's an ebook. It's free. Go to five habits.us. It's a letter five or the number five habits.us. And that will, um, that's a free download. And basically that gives you really tangible habits to start building today. Okay. Uh, and that will, that'll benefit you today here and now. If you want to go even deeper and you've, you've been, we've turned some light bulbs on. We have a new uh, course ecosystem that we just actually released this last week. And the final sessions for the first course are up this week uh, on Monday. They were, they were up on Monday. It's called gospelcenteredmarriage.com. And that's actually, it's meant to be kind of like a Netflix for your marriage. We're just starting it. So we have one core course, but we're adding mini courses constantly. Uh, it'll take you about six weeks to get through the first course. Uh, but the whole point of that is to lay these firm foundational gospel mm -hmm. truths uh, around love, covenant, and the gospel. You build on top of that uh, what it means to communicate in light of the mm -hmm. gospel. What does it mean to be gospel-centered in our communication, in our intimate lives, in our money, in how do we divide labor around the house? Mm -hmm. And then eventually we end with a marriage on mission, and you fill out a family vision uh, worksheet. So, sorry, that's a lot to start with, but go to either fivehabits.us or gospelcenteredmarriage.com. And, uh, and just go to both. Yeah, go to both. <laughs> Have at it. Hopefully you'll be blessed by both. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much. That's been an yeah. incredible. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank uh, you, Paul. It's been great. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us for this special episode of the podcast. Uh, if you want more information on Impactus, you can find their website, impactus.org. That's I-M-P-A-C-T-U-S dot org. Also, if you want more information on Gospel-Centered Marriage, our new online e-course ecosystem, uh, check it out at gospelcenteredmarriage.com. We have a special offer there for you, and we would love to see you uh, go through the course. So that's it for now, and we will see you again in about seven days. So until next time, stay fierce. Thank you for listening to the Fierce Marriage Podcast. For more resources for your marriage, please visit FierceMarriage.com, or you can find us with our handle at Fierce Marriage on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you so much for listening. We hope it's blessed you. Take care.